but no one has ever created a day except you. And since you created it, it is yours. It belongs to you. Not only does it belong to you, but humanity belongs to you as well. What Paul said in Romans chapter 14 that none of us lives for himself and no one dies for himself. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So if we, whether we live or whether we die, we are yours. So we acknowledge this and we not only acknowledge it, but we celebrate it. We celebrate that you have brought us to a point where we can see where you've given us eyes to see who Jesus is. And to be reconciled to you, Father, through him. So we thank you and we praise you for this day. We thank you that you have prepared good works in advance for us to do this day. Lord, we ask you that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit has to say Today, help us not to harden our hearts, but help us to lean forward to hear what you have to say. And Lord, as one who seeks to be your mouthpiece, I pray that you will please um, that you will please increase and cause me to decrease. Lord, I pray that you will please speak through me. I pray that uh, anything that is said that is not in accord with sound doctrine with your word, I pray that it will be forgotten, fall to the ground and not be received. But, Lord, inasmuch as your spirit is speaking in accordance with your word, Lord, may our hearts be found to be good ground. And, Lord, may we, as they used to sing in a church I grew up in, may we run on and see what the end is going to be. We thank you that the end is in your hand in Revelation. No, it lets us know what the end is going to be. But, Lord, may we be found running in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to take you to a different episode of my life. You're part of one right now, but I want to take you to one that you were not part of. And I guess I should probably start it by, in this way. I'll come, come back to that. I had the privilege of having a coffee with someone who's not from, who's not from the DMV. DMV, for those of you who don't know, I mean, by now everyone should know what the DMV is, but in case you don't know, it's District of Columbia, Maryland, and Virginia. Okay. So if you're really, really, it's DC and PG, but, but anyway, I'm not going to make, I ain't making nobody mad. Uh, but, uh, but, but this woman told me about how she's in the DMV because her husband is from the DMV and loves the DMV. So that's how she's here. So she's running for a county council uh, office in our district and wanted to talk with me since she sees me as a leader in our community. So, so what does it mean to be part of the DMV? I've told people this before. God himself would have to appear and audibly speak to me if I were ever to, like, plant a church in Somewhere that's not the DMV. If that was ever my, I will not leave the DMV unless God himself tells me. Or something else happens that I just, we just can't, it looks like, okay, he didn't appear and tell me, but this is telling me, get out of here. <laughs> what does it mean? Well, DMV, we like mumbo sauce. Amen. Mm -hmm. Those are the natives. See, we got people from the DMV kind of upset talking about, wow, 
I heard that. You know what else they probably say wow about is go-go music. If you go to, if, if, if you go to a, a wedding or a party with somebody who's a native of the DMV, you're going to get a lot of go-go music. It's music that, is, that originated in D.C., and we love it. Now, there's some things about the go-go music, though, that the people that's not from this area point out that they have some points. Fights always break out at go-go's. I don't know why. I don't know whether it's the beat. I don't know what it is, but fights break out at the go-go. And I was at a go-go probably uh, before my junior year in high school, so I'm like 16, right? I'm at a go-go at, <laughs> in every hood, whether it's the DMV or no matter where it is, because this person told me about Washington Heights in her, in New York. Well, there was a Washington Heights in Prince George's County as well. And that's, that's the area I grew up in, my wife and I grew up in. So for its own reasons, it was, it's there no longer, it was pretty notorious back in the 80s and until FedEx Field came around. Well, there were many, unfortunately, many notorious places where I grew up. One of them was a place called Glen Arden Apartments, which also is not around anymore. I wonder why. Go figure. Anyway. My crew and I went to a go-go, an outdoor go-go that was in uh, Glen Arden Apartments. And during the go-go, one of my friends obviously had something against another guy that I didn't quite know. So they just, instead of, I mean, you know, some, a lot of times people don't dance at those, but instead of even dancing or trying to meet girls or anything, they, they were just like looking at each other the whole time like I'm about to. So uh, I'm like, okay, well, I don't have time for that. And I was just went, went about doing what, what, what I was doing. And so um, the go-go was over. And this big group of it looks like every male in the neighborhood was coming down the hill toward us. And, hey, look, man, I'm sorry. I would, I would fight with anybody. I'm, I would. But I was like, hey, y'all, let's leave. Let's go. Right, let's, let's just go. Like, we're not in our neighborhood. We're not, like, we're kind of, we didn't have cars. Like, we on that level. 16, uh, you know, I'm 16 from the hood. No car. No. Foot. Chevrolet. Share one foot. Lay the other one, right? That's, that's what you do to get where you go. Or Metro. Metro. Metro is another option for you, right? Yeah, that's right. So, and back then, the, red, that, the lines wasn't even like they are now. It was just a bus, right? So, so anyway, they're coming down. And it's obvious they're coming towards us, so I'm like, hey, man, let's leave. So we didn't, they didn't leave. So I wasn't going to leave. Man, I wasn't going to leave. So it happened. We fought, you know, and everything. And so the first level of that fight was very wild, and I don't need to get into all the details of that. But once we got separated, because it was just like something you would see on, it was a brawl, right? So once we got separated, I mean, I'm feeling real good because – because cause I, I sort of represented myself well in that situation, right? So, like, people still do talk about it to this day. I'm not, no joke. And I'm, today I'm 53. So that was a long time ago, right? So, so I'm feeling real. I mean, my chest, and I, I didn't have much of a chest at that time. I mean, now I do, but, but my chest was probably, like, out here. So I'm feeling all good. And I'm, like, saying whatever I was saying. 
And then I just, I just, I don't know why, I don't know what I was thinking, but I, I was feeling so good that if, if you all were the crowd, I was like, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then I was like this. So I turned my back and I started walking like I was going to leave without any hindrance at all. And some girl that grew up around our way was known all over the place was like, run, Mike, run. And I looked back. And that whole crowd that was coming down, they were coming up. And then I just started running. I mean, man, I started running. I ran so fast that I did get out of the neighborhood. No more fights. But I had to run. Friends, there is a time when we have to run. There's a time when we need to leave. There's a time when we need to keep on ahead of what's Keep on going to what's ahead of us without looking back. It's time to put the head back, make the arms move back and forth, and run as fast and as hard as you we can. I believe that all of life, and I know it's hard to sustain, but this is just my mindset that I want to share with you, that, that all of life is the context in which we need to run. But I believe we're living in a time where the, 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 the conviction to run is waning. Where the, 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 the ease and the comfort that, that I grew up with compared to my mom. And that my children grew up compared with compared to me. And that my grandchildren will grow up with compared to their parents. That it requires us to run. It requires a mind that is set on running. And you know why we need to run right now? Because oftentimes what's in the world, what's in this world, it pollutes us even if it doesn't conquer us. Right? So we don't run as hard as we could. So imagine me, imagine if I was like, whatever, man. And I'm like, and I start jogging. I might not be here today. I mean, that's the, what type of place that was, right? I may, I'm, I'm, I may not be here today. Or if I were here, maybe I would have some marks left over from that particular time in my life. But by the grace of God, I don't because I ran in part. And the Lord let me get away. <laughs> we live right now in what they are calling the great resignation. Now, resignation is to is the act of resigning. Obviously, I love when Webster does it. Like, act of, use the root word. Yeah, okay. <laughs> or a formal statement or document or something that that states that you're giving up your office or your position. So when I speak about resigning, and I'm using the Webster's Dictionary definition, I'm saying we are, not, we are to run so that we do not resign our position in Christ. And I'm not talking about the, the just say, all right, yeah, man, here's my paperwork, I quit. I mean the type that just like, when, so I used to be in the military, right? And my very first duty station was in Korea. I loved being in Korea, learn about a different culture, never been anywhere but the DMV. So it's like, hey, let me learn. Let me eat some food. Let me, you know, learn about this culture. And when you, when, you first, or when, you, when you first get there, because it's a hardship tour, which means like it's one you can't take your family to and all of that. So when you first get there, they call you a turtle. 
They call you a turtle because you have a long way to go and your time is going to go by slow, in their opinion. But then when you get about ah, two months out, something like that, then they start calling you old timers. And then it's just like when people are resigning from somewhere else or, or from what I've seen because I haven't ever resigned uh, from anywhere. Um, but you start not caring about stuff the way you used to. You start leaving stuff for somebody else to do. Oh, yeah, they'll take care of it. And you're like, man, I don't care what I'm doing. Man, you're not, you can do all that, but I'm not doing that. There's a, there's a mindset that comes with those who are on their way to resigning that mm, is not good, a good one for the believer in Jesus to have because not only do we have our flesh to deal with, we also have sin and we have the devil as well. And those, last I saw, none of them give you a break. The great resignation is called such in the United States and other places because in, in, um, in April, almost 4 million people quit their jobs. In July, that record was broken. And then in August, 4.3 million people quit their jobs. People aren't just giving up work, though. We've seen throughout this time that, that people who are known for being believers have stopped being Christians. So there's a spirit of resignation where we are if you're paying attention. But let us run. Because the concept of resignation as a child of God is a non-starter. It's not even an option. The writer of Hebrews wrote his book, his letter, to ensure that the people who were listening to him would not give up. So he tells them in chapter 12, verse 12, he says, Strengthen your tired hands and your weakened knees. In 1023, he says, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. 2.1 implores us to pay attention all the more to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Beware, 4.1 tells us, that none of us be found to have fallen short. And we know if, you, if you're familiar with chapter 4 of Hebrews 1, of Hebrews, excuse me, of Hebrews uh, verse 1, you see that what, is, what the writer is going for is that the people of God that he's writing to would have faith. So when he's talking about falling short, he's talking about having faith. So remember that in the Old Testament when, when, when Caleb and, and Joshua went with the other spies, they went to spy out the promised land and the other 12 came back with a report that, man, we cannot do this. Like the people are too big. Right there, giants there, man, did, did you not see that? And Caleb and Jonathan and Joshua, they said, hey, we can do this. Well, why did they think that way? They thought that way because they were aware that God was with them, right? So the, the writer of Hebrews is hearkening back to that. Like these people, they didn't believe God. It wasn't that they didn't go into the promised land because eventually like they would, well, not those people, but their descendants would. But it was that they didn't have faith in God. That's why they didn't go into the promised land. So it wasn't the action. It was, the, it, was the, it was what the action was fruit of. 
So the fruit was we don't believe God like though they're more powerful than God. They're too big for us. But God said. Right. The God that, that opened the Red Sea. Him, the one that 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 before he opened the Red Sea, he gave. He caused the Egyptians to give you presents as you left them. Right. Gave you wealth as you left. But you were slaves at first and you couldn't leave. Right. Remember. That God, those people out there, they too big for him. That's why they didn't enter into the rest that's alluded to in Hebrews chapter 4. They didn't keep running. They didn't run. They stopped. It was too tough for them. They're too big. Running is used as a metaphor for the Christian life. 1 Corinthians uh, 9, 24. It says, don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize. And then the encouragement, run in such a way to win the prize. So this, I, I, I don't know, I mean, obviously I haven't met Paul, but I, I like the fact that Paul seemed to be into athletics. Right. Because he, he would talk about the, the race. But then he also told Timothy about this. He said this in first, excuse me, second uh, Timothy four, uh, verse seven. He says, speaking about his departure and reflecting on his life, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. See, so he again, the race there's run. So 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 the Christian life is likened to if you've ever run. It's likened to a race. We're told in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, that there's a way that we're supposed to run. So hopefully the need to run is in our minds. People falling away from the faith or just disowning their faith. People being more consumers than investors in the church. People who are more responsive to instant gratitude. or instantaneous results than persevering. People who want to be zapped rather than give themselves over to discipline. Believe me, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm going to keep it real. If, 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 if I could just say, Lord... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm going to do this, yes. People want deliverance, but not discipline. They want the instantaneous. And I'll tell you, I, I would too. Hey, 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 hey. I would. That would be much easier. But that's not what I see in Scripture. The pattern is that we are to 
not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed. How? By the renewing and ongoing process of our minds, right? It's not going to be instantaneous. There can be moments. There can be events that, that put us in a certain direction and put us on a certain trajectory. But there's going to have to be some discipline. There's going to have to be some, some exertion of, of energy. There's going to have to be something that causes us to, as see, the Bible doesn't tell us to set our minds on things above because we don't need to. Or because it's always already there. No, it tells us that because we need to make sure it's there. It tells us that because we need to exert that that effort to to say, you know what, Lord, I am yours again. I am yours right now. Today, this is the day that you have made. And today I will rejoice and be glad in it because you've made it. So hopefully the, 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 the need to run, we can understand that because it's not about deliverance. It is about discipline. It is about endurance. It is about there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a course that's set out for us as believers, a, a general ultimate course. But then there's a specific course for Mike. Brad's course is a little different. And though there'll be, though, though there'll be overlap, ISIS is going is, is to be unique to hers, right? Because this is what he says. He says, if any man will come up after me, let him deny himself. So that's already unique. Let him take up his cross. His cross is not the cross. Jesus took the cross, but now we have to take up our cross. But people don't, hey, I, don't, I, I wouldn't want to be crucified either. But that's part of the Christian life, because we're following Jesus. So, so if we're talking about the need to run, hopefully that's been established. But how do we run? Hopefully we run with endurance. The passage tells us, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. So enduring is, Webster again, the fact or power of enduring or, or bearing hardships. The ability to strength, the ability or strength to continue or last, especially despite fatigue, stress, or other adverse conditions. That is what we're living in for the last almost two years has been nothing but, but stress, fatigue, adverse conditions. People dying from COVID, people dying non-COVID related, people uh, getting diagnoses, people struggling with food security, people struggling, period, adverse conditions. That's where we are right now. That's why we must run. Because we, we want deliverance and deliverance will come. Ultimately, keyword, ultimately. Deliverance will come, but it's not instantly. So if we stop running, we will be overtaken by our enemy, by our flesh, and by our own sin. That's why he says, that's why he says above that, he says in earlier in, 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 in verse 1, he says, let us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. If we do not run, we will be ensnared. And if we are ensnared, then we will love our sin more than we love our Savior. And if we love our sin more than we love our Savior, 
You tell me what our Savior is supposed to do about that. I've already mentioned that Paul called the life, his life, a good fight. In that episode of my life that I told you about, what I didn't say was that when the two guys talked to each other, they talked, that you could tell from their body language that they, were, they, they had resolved their differences. They shook hands, dapped each other up, but there was one person that came down the street with him that was like, oh, nah, uh-uh, we ain't squashing nothing. We going to fight. And that's how it all started. But the world in which we live is one in which you're going to have to fight. If you want to make it to the end, like, you're going to have to run. You're going to have to stay on a track. There'll be some things that, that, that tries to come along and, and get you off the track. Um, there, there, there'll be some things that you're not satisfied with that's, that, that could even draw you away. There are going to be things that seek to remove us from the path that God has called us to. But saints, and yes, I'm saying saints, because that's what you are in Christ if you're in him. We have to run. We're going to fight. We will. We'll fight the good fight. We can't, we can't avoid the fight because everything in this world is antithetical to the reign of Christ except his people. So we have to run with endurance. Yes, there are times we need to pace ourselves. Fine. I'm going to tell you a good way to pace yourself is if you can find someone if you if you can round out if you can round out your your folk, your folk meaning the people who invest in you spiritually. Sure, surely we all should have peers, but it makes a lot of sense to find someone who is where you're trying to get to invest in you as well. That's what I love about having a multi-generational church is that that opportunity is here. Whether or not we take advantage of that opportunity is, 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 a, different, is a different thing, though. So that's why, like, I've, I've just met this brother. Um, he's only been here for a very short amount of time. Um, he's <laughs> he's, he's going to be leaving us probably at the beginning of the year because he's graduating college and probably will have a job um, somewhere that is not in this state. Um, but I've really enjoyed getting to know Tony and observing Tony. So Tony is a brother who goes to uh, Howard University. Um, and, um, and like I said, he's about to, about to graduate. Um, and as soon as he came to the church, I saw him interacting with people of all age groups. I particularly noticed that there were two older gentlemen they may even be a little bit older than me, that Tony was sitting there and he wasn't saying anything, he was just listening. That is wisdom for any of us. I'm, I'm including myself in this category because I'm not, I'm not immune from, I mean, I'm, I have people older than me as well, right? And they are where I, I want to be. 
That's why I enjoy Dean's testimony. When he said, and for those of you who do not know, uh, a brother named Dean in our church, he was diagnosed with ALS, and uh, he had symptoms for a while before he found out what, um, what was going on. And he, he sat up here, and he told us all that one of the things he said he learned a lot about himself, and one of the, th one of the things that he learned is that he is not afraid to die. I, I, I need to learn from a Carl Sanders who... <laughs> Who starts, I'm sorry that I'm laughing because this is amazing, right? He starts chemotherapy on Thursday or Friday. Probably Thursday. I don't know. I'm on my Thursday or Friday. And then he does a Bible study the next day. And he comes to the ESL class that his wife runs at the church also on the next day like it ain't nothing. See, I want to learn from that. See, those people, in my opinion, they're running on. Right? They're, they're, they're adverse situations. Oh, they're there. I'm, they are there, right? They are there. Neither one of those situations are one that any of us would be like, be like, hey, man, I'm, who wanted to do that? Nobody would raise their hand. I'm, I wouldn't raise my hand. Mm -mm. No, that's where I want deliverance, Lord, please. And, and I believe that God can deliver. If you come on a Friday prayer call, you'll hear me pray for healing. But if God chooses to glorify himself in a different way through their discipline and endurance, I want to learn from them. I want to learn. From, I need to learn from them because save his return before he calls me something is going to be my exit from it and I need to know how to look that in the eyes and say I'm still going to run or oh yeah we're going to fight but I'm saying it in a way that's for the glory of God not for my own pride endurance is needed endurance can be fueled by fellowshipping with people who have been through what you're going through, right? And if you have a wisdom, then you can look for those people no matter what age you are. And sometimes you will not be able to find someone that's specifically everything you need, but no one's supposed to be that but Jesus anyway. So lean forward to learn what you can learn about glorifying God, about running on, about persevering, about running with endurance so that in the end, he can say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Let us run. Let us run also not only with endurance, but also with focus. And the focus isn't just on, I remember, I remember once, uh, this was in middle school, um, went to Benjamin Tasker over in Bowie, even though I was from Landover. But anyway, um, we, 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 we were doing, a, I guess it was a two-mile. Now, I'd never done any, this is raw athleticism back then, back then, back then, not now, not, but back then. So we ran the, the two-mile. So, so we start running, running at a pace, you know. Then we start getting into it. And then I didn't even know that there was such thing as, that there was this 
kick that you get. But I felt it come. And so then I started, I picked up my pace. And so I was ahead of everybody and my classmates were like, slow down, you're running too, like you started to. And they were right. Like I did start, but then like pure pride just took over. It's like, I'm not losing, man. I'm not losing. I'm not losing. <laughs> so the gym teacher was like, hey, what school are you going to next year? I'm going to Bowie High School. I know the track coach there if you want to. But man, I'm telling you, I'm tell- this is, see, this is one of the reasons, if you ever hear me, and, and this is, I'm sorry, this is on the side, sorry about this. But if you ever hear me, like, you know, on my birthday or any day, just be aware of, like, how much I don't deserve. Look, I probably could have been on the, 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 the team, the track team, but I was too busy being a thug or trying to be a thug to even try that. It was just like, man, that joint ain't cool, man. I ain't been on a track team, man. I need to get on a basketball team or something, you know. (laughs) Eventually, my focus became, I'm going to finish first. It wasn't just like, let me do these two miles, which I think it started off, probably started off that way. But then when I got that high from what that that runner's high, it was like, oh, yeah, man. You know, and and then it became, okay, well, now, that was nice, but, but now you have to, like, persevere and you have to endure. And the only way you're going to do that is by looking for the finish line. So if the finish line was two more laps, all right, man, I got to do these two laps. All right, come on, you can do it. You can do it. So it's, the, it's the encouraging yourself, remember? Remember, David did that in the Old Testament. He encouraged himself in the Lord because everyone else was discouraging. There will be times when you have to encourage yourself. Um, I think we're living in a day and age where it's harder. It looks like it's harder for people to encourage themselves. But we can encourage each other. Let us encourage each other in the Lord. Let us not allow people to fall back. Let us not allow people to stop running. But let us tell them, let us run. I'm running with you and I will continue with you. But our eyes need to be focused and our focus needs to be on Jesus. So you look at the end of verse 1 and it says that we're to run with endurance. The race that's set before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Why do we keep our eyes on Jesus? Because Jesus is the first one who's been to where we're going. Remember in the garden when Jesus is, 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 has his moment that he needs to endure in, his moment that he needs to persevere through, where he's saying, he's saying, Father, if it's possible, would you please take this cup from me? But he says, he perseveres through it. Nevertheless, let your will, not my will be done. His eyes were somewhere. His eyes was fixed on what God wanted him to do. And that was to embrace the cross so that we could be sitting here this morning aware of God's grace for us and to us. But our eyes, if Jesus's eyes needed to be fixed, our eyes need to be fixed as well. Our eyes need to be fixed on him. Remember who he is. Yes, he endured the cross for us, but remember that he's the source of our faith. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says that, Paul says this, I am sure of this, that he who has started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's the source 
that verse lets us know that he's not only the source, he's not the one who began it, but he's the one who will complete it as well. Jesus has our lives bookended with his grace and with his mercy. So we cannot, in the middle of it, say, no, be like those in the Old Testament. No, there's not enough grace or mercy for me. No, no matter what sin you've ever done, no matter what sin you may have done last night, yesterday, if you can believe that he is bigger than your sin, and if you will keep on running, he will be with you because he's the one who's begun the good work, and he's the one who will complete the good work. It's our lives are not just about us. They're not just about us. That's why in the prayer, it's the, 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 the Romans 14. It's, it's yes, Lord, whether we live. No, first of all, no one lives to himself. No one, Lord, not us, not those of us who claim to be yours. You know what, Lord, we don't even die to ourselves. If we live, we live for you. If we die, we die to you. So whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. So our life, the song, my life is not my own. To you I belong. Yes, that's us. Our life is not our own. We belong to someone. We belong to someone. We belong to Jesus. So we keep our eyes fixed on him because he's the source, but he's not only the source of our faith, he's the perfecter of our faith. So, so, so songs that remind us of what he has done in our lives, that he will do it again. Why are those important? Those are important because God has come through and he is perfecting our faith. And there have been situations, probably, I would imagine, that you thought you couldn't make it through. Or maybe you didn't even really want to make it through. And some kind of way, you didn't stop running. And here you sit right now, a, a person a little bit different than the person who was like, man, I'm, I'm not even tripping off of this. Why, why is that? Because the Lord is the one perfecting you. Now, we do get to participate. Sanctification or becoming more like Christ, that is a, a matter of not only what he does, but also how we respond to what he does, right? So, so in the middle of the book, in the source and the perfecter, the finisher, is our running. And, and, and we're, we're bookended by what he does, but in the middle of that is what we do. We respond to that grace. So that when it's all said and done, this is amazing. Uh, this part isn't that amazing. This part that, okay, his keeping us will all be for his glory, right? But the fact that he would give us any rewards for what's occurred in between this is just crazy. That's mind boggling that he would give us rewards for merely responding to the grace of God that's offered to us. Mm, Lord, let that sink in. I just want to encourage you from from a little bit more from, from different parts of his word. So we keep our eyes on Jesus. Our eyes are fixated on him because 
as verse 2 says, he endured the cross and despised the shame. We keep our eyes on Jesus because he's the, he's the source and the perfecter of our faith. We keep our eyes on him because if we were ever, and this is for anyone who would ever struggle with the love of God for you, um, please remember what it says in Romans 5, verses 8 through 9. It simply says, but God proves, he proves, he proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Just that part, just that verse alone. Not, not the, the 9 and 10, like if, if we could just like let that, my minds marinate in that God proved his love for you. He proved his love for me that while I was still in sin, while I was, um, all of the things that's flooding my mind, the things that I've done in my life that I don't want to share with you. That reminds me of how unworthy of not only my salvation, I'm going to tell you, man, I'm not worthy of my life because I get to do a job that's in line with like what I'm called to be. I have a wife who loves me fiercely. My children love me. My grandchildren love me. My parents are still here. My siblings are all still here. I have a church that I think loves me. If you don't, keep it to yourself. <laughs> I, 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 I get to work with a, with a friend as well as colleague. A couple years ago, I, I got to stop driving a 03 Subaru, though I was thankful for it. I didn't even deserve that, <laughs> for real. Now, I'm not talking about I don't deserve it as compared to you, but I'm talking about in terms of, like, my relationship with God, like, I don't deserve any of that at all. I don't, I don't deserve to live in the house that I live in. I don't deserve to live on the street that I live on. Like, I don't, I don't deserve those things. I'm not uh, John Hinckley or, uh, uh, you know, Charles Manson or anything. I'm not that, but I'm aware of, before, <laughs> I mean, you can look at me and tell that, right? But, 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 but I'm aware of how offensive sin is to God. And I'm aware of even having known the grace of God and be like, nah, Lord, I don't need that right now. Right now, I want to do this thing right here. You'll be, uh, I might be back for you, but, but I'm going to do this right now. That person does not deserve anything from God. That person, anything they get from God, to them, hopefully they see everything as grace. Everything. I mean, one thing that COVID has highlighted is that even that is a gift from God. The ability to take a deep breath is a gift from God. It is. Some people couldn't do it. You've seen videos of people telling you, they masked up, thank God that hasn't been, been me. Um, but it could have been. And you know what? If it was, God would still be good. 
And you know what? I wouldn't even deserve the medical attention that I was getting. That would be how I would think. So for me to run, it's not optional. I have to respond to that grace that's been poured out upon me by at least running. And if that grace is bookending my life, if I have to like endure a few things, oh my goodness, for, for all that lies ahead for us, I would be a fool not to endure. I would be a fool not to lay aside the things that God tells me to lay aside. I would be a fool to say, no, 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 no. I know the grace is still calling me. But that's okay. Today I'm going to harden my heart and I'm going to embrace this instead. I would be a fool to do that. And yet people are doing it because they stop running. They are not willing to embrace endurance. They, they have not fixed their eyes on Christ. We need our eyes fixed on Christ. Because we need to continue to run. Because what lies ahead of us is this. And I'm I'm going to just close with this. I can close with nothing better than scripture. We've been in Romans forever. Right? So you probably remember this this passage in Romans 8, 18. Which where Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. So that day when all that's in, in Revelation chapters uh, 20 and 21, where we, where, we, where we are in the presence of God and where there's no more sin, no more pain, no more, t- all of that stuff, which is like, it's almost unfathomable right now because this is a season where New York is flooding. When was the last time New York flood? Pennsylvania is flooding. May our hearts for the Lord not fail us. May we run on because what awaits us. <laughs> think about, think, think, let's think about this for a moment. Think about the most intense pain, emotional pain. That you've ever had to endure. And a lot of times. When you have to think about things like that. People can get overwhelmed with sorrow. Because they've probably been traumatized by whatever happened. But let me give you a different way to process that. Just consider that whatever you felt then, whatever you feel now, Scripture says that it is not even worth comparing. That pain is not worth comparing to the joy that those doubts are not worth comparing with the assurance Like it's not worth comparing at all to the glory that is going to be revealed to us. So pain has been revealed here. Hurt, anguish. But there, there won't be, not only will there be no more of that, but this passage lets us know that the glory 
We'll make that look like, man, you know what? That wasn't nothing. Right, yeah, the pain that you, that you would call into mind, the glory that God is going to reveal to us is going to be like, man, that wasn't nothing. On one level, on one level. You'll still remember some things. I'm thinking about the, the martyrs in, 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 in Revelation. They remember that they were martyred. Right. But at the same time, this passage is true. That the glory that will be revealed to us is going to make the things that we endured look like, man, that wasn't anything, Lord. Thank you so much that I continue to run. So let us run, my friends. Let us not be a victim or complicit in any way in this age of the great resignation. Instead, let us, let us run. Let us continue on. Let us run with endurance. Let us run the race that's before us with endurance. Let us keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, remembering that he is the source and the perfecter. He's the bookend of your life. Um, you're merely responding to his grace. And one day his grace will be culminated in the glory that Paul talks about in Romans 8, 18. Um, with that being said, I'm just going to, um, uh, in light of the sacrifice of Christ, we're going to go ahead and take communion right now.